0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Organic BC, a nonprofit organization that celebrates, champions, and advocates for the organic sector and broader organic community in British Columbia. Learn more at organicbc.org. My name is Jordan Marr. I'm a BC based organic farmer, and I'm the host of this podcast. In late 2020, in light of uncertainty caused by the pandemic, Organic BC developed an alternative to its regular in person annual conference. The conference was mostly online, and its centerpiece was a 40-episode podcast that it produced for conference ticket holders. Our intention was to eventually make these episodes available for free to the public, and what you're about to hear is one of those episodes. Our plan is to release them all on this podcast feed over the next few months. Meanwhile, the Organic BC Conference Committee is busy planning your next conference, which will, once again, take place in person. But it's also going to include a smaller slate of new podcast episodes to be released in January, I'll provide more info about all of that throughout the fall. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode from the 2021 conference podcast. Oh, and by the way, we also incorporated the annual conference trade show into this podcast series. So we may or may not be taking a break in the middle of this episode for a short trip to that trade show. You'll know what I mean if you hear it. Okay, talk to you at the end, everybody. Hey, everyone. It's Jordan, your conference MC. This episode features the last installment on the theme of wholesale buyer perspectives. This time I talked to Nick Johnson of Nature's Fair Markets. Nick manages the buying for the prepared food side of Nature's Fair, and he joined me to provide advice for those wishing to sell into grocery stores, as well as talk about recent trends in the marketplace. That's about it. I'll talk to you a little bit at the end, and I hope you enjoy this.
1: Hello, uh, I'm Nick Johnston. I am the corporate manager of prepared foods and food service for Nature's Fair Markets. Um, I oversee all of our fresh food production um, for our bistro operations. So in each of our stores, we have bistros, we serve salads and soups and all sorts of good stuff like that. And it's all made in our kitchen at our head office.
0: Nick Johnston, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Nick, maybe we could start with uh, you talking a little bit just about what you do in, in your daily work as a purchaser. And um, I know you oversee purchasing in kind of on the, the bistro and commissary side of Nature's Fair market. So maybe you could explain to listeners um, what that is, like what, you know, what's taking place in Nature's Fair in those two divisions and, and then and kind of what sure. you focus on.
1: Sure. I'd love to. Um, So um, as you said, I oversee sort of our fresh food operation. So that's sort of a two part equation. Um, We have our our bistro operation and store, which is where our, you know, our front facing staff serve customers. And then we have our commissary kitchen uh, at our head office, which is a team of many people producing the fresh food for our bistros. Um so because we are um an operation that supplies so many locations, we buy a lot of product <laughs> um, we you know have a full time purchaser who that's basically all she does, and we have a huge focus on um fresh 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 foods in our in our operation so you know uh as a lot of food based businesses are used dry products canned products, our emphasis is really on on fresh produce for the most part um so we deal with, you know, multiple uh, l- larger vendors um, who supply us with uh, beautiful organic produce um, for, you know, 12 months of the year. But then through, you know, six, seven, eight months of the years, we do, we deal with a ton of, of smaller local operations um, throughout uh, the Okanagan. Um, we sort of key in on each farmer's sort of niche area. Um and try and focus on buying those product or products from them. So, um, you know, every every winter we have a, a planning meeting with all of our farmers and we sort of talk about what we bought over the last 12 months and where there's opportunity for the next 12 months. And, and then again, during that conversation, we focus in on farmer A gave us the best quality kale, so we want to buy more kale from him. <laughs> Um, whereas maybe Farmer B was really great on squashes and beet, so we want to focus on those areas with them. So that's sort of sort of a broad overview of of how purchasing works for us and our, our process through the through the uh, the purchasing world.
0: Okay, that's terrific. Thank you for that summary. So I have questions, yeah. but I also want to yes. I want to get some clarification just to make sure, sure everyone understands. So, um, essentially within within a Nature's Fair grocery store. Uh, there, there would be the, the fresh groceries side, but then there's the bistro side, which is going to feature takeaway foods and, uh, and also foods. Well, yeah, essentially takeaway foods to eat now or in a little while. These are a lot of prepared foods and that this is your focus (laughs) for all of the different stores. Is that correct? Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about purchasing a little bit. So I'm wondering, I mean, I've, I've, as a grower, I've dealt a little bit with nature's fair in the past. So I know. I've had conversations with produce managers. So clearly from your summary, you deal directly with suppliers, but how, maybe I'll start with this. How does, how does, just cause I find it interesting. How does, how does your operation interact with the grocery side? Do you do, like, I always would have assumed you buy most of your food straight from the nature's fair, fresh produce and food side so that they're sourcing it from all the suppliers and you're sourcing from them. But it sounds like I'm at least partly incorrect.
1: Yes, you are definitely incorrect. So um, uh, you know, I'll look at our Ver- our Vernon location because it's just down the street as our head office in Vernon. And you know, as a as a grower, say if there's a new a new farm here in town or up north or wherever, um, they may approach directly to our store and say, "Hey, I'm growing." And I'll use this as an example because it's been very hot this last 18 months. is the Haskett berry, this has turned into a very popular thing for growers in the North Okanagan. So those hasket berries will go uh, – growers will go into our store and say, hey, we're growing this product, da-da-da-da-da. And because they don't know I exist, I'll actually have the produce manager in store give me a call and say, hey, Nick, this new vendor is really hot to deal with us. Is there any opportunity for you? So um, there's definitely – not us using the store for for those products, but like I said, us dealing directly with with farmers um, all over the valley.
0: Okay, yeah. This see, this is really interesting. This is you're you're giving me this interview for for an episode about getting you know farmers considering the wholesale opportunities and you know yep. into retail. And as someone who's worked with Nature's Fair, I had no idea that I could be dealing potentially separately with the Bistro division. So that's um. That's really exciting.
1: well, and you, and, and you know, Jordan. One of the great things that some of the farmers that we deal with love about our part of the operation is, um, you know, every as being a grower, you know, every every grower has sort of a different uh, niche area. So maybe, you know, uh, I'll use one example that I, I uh, a couple of examples I deal with here in the North Okanagan. So so we we deal with um, one farm. Uh, uh, his name is Hino. Uh, Roots and greens farms. Um, I like to think of him as sort of a master of many things. He doesn't do huge quantities on three or four SKUs, um, but he does, you know, dozens and dozens of different produce items. And he is a master at that. So he can come here and he can give us a little bit of 20 different items. Whereas Um, there's another farm up here in the north called Curly Willow. And uh, Doug really likes to focus on larger scale of fewer items. So because we're a commissary, because we buy quantity, (laughs) um, some wholesalers love the opportunity to deal with us because I might buy 5,000 kilos of carrots or I might buy 5,000 kilos of beets over the course of six months, whereas some farms, they just want to sell us you know, that beautiful cauliflower case here, maybe a case in two weeks. You know, maybe they have some varieties of greens. Um, so, sort of. Um Smaller focus on many different things. If
0: if that makes sense, it totally does. Holy, there's so many interesting questions, like interesting ways I could take this conversation. But I think we better start kind of closer to the start. I want to maybe get a better sense of the supply chain of just within the nature's fair ecosystem, right? So, okay, um, you know, because it sounds like it could be, it's a, it's going to be a little bit different for a large farm that has thousands of kilos of beets to sell versus um, Hey, Hey guys, you gotta, you gotta check out this insanely beautiful dry bean that I have, you know, 30 pounds yeah. of, right. So, yeah, yeah. um, briefly, could you, could you yeah. talk like, cause it sounds like almost those might be sold to different locations or through different channels. So I would just love a quick rundown of like, if, if you're a big grower who wants to, um, approach nature's fair, how you're going to approach them and, and how that works. And if you're like, the grower with many, many, so much diversity in small quantities, how, how they would, how they would get into your Yeah,
1: for sure. sure. So I I think if, if a grower is wanting to just key on, on say five or six items that he, he or she can grow exceptionally well, um, you know, looking at a business like nature's fair and our commissary operation, I mean, this is those types of operations go hand in hand because of the volumes. Um, You know, when I say to a grower I'm going to buy 500 bunches of kale a week. That can be intimidating. But if you've planned for it and you want to be sort of that type of grower, then that's the best kind of relationship you are looking for. Um, for a small grower who, who might want to be more focused on diversity, and typically in my experience, um, when, a, we, when we're having dialogues with growers and, and they're a, divi- a, a, a diverse grower, Um, this to me speaks to the fact that they, their, their bread and butter is, is the farmer market crowd, Uh um, uh um, because, you know, it's real hard to make a living if you go there and you only got beets and (laughs) squash. So, um, the great thing about those, those more diverse growers is from a menu development standpoint for us, we have more options. Um, you know, we love it. We love working with our our, 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 couple of small growers. Um, again, we go back to that planning that we sit down and have dialogues in January and February as they're looking at seed guides and, you know, that sort of puts the seed pun intended in our head about our menu, our menu development and where we're going to go with that. So, you know, if, if that small diverse grower is looking at, you know, maybe he wants to get into some different types of mustard greens. Well, we know those mustard greens are going to be available in the springtime for a couple of months, and we can plan around that. Um, now, that being said, um, one of the great uh, areas, not inside my my department of nature's fair, but in nature's fair as general, is because we do have pr- produce departments. Um, there's always an outlet outlet for some of those niche type. Um, produce products that may be cultivated by a a more diverse grower Um, so you know where in our supply chain ecosystem here in nature's fair that those growers who are focused on few things are great for a commissary operation the more diverse growers are also great for a commissary option but those growers work exceptionally within the, the the ecosystem of our produce departments as well
0: Right and so I'll I'll touch on that briefly but I just want to give a little more context could you think about what we what you consider kind of that niche product in your commissary I yep. want, I'd still love to know what kind of scale we're talking about I mean you know what if I if, scale Like let's say let's say that I'm <laughs> yep. already supplying the Kelowna Nature's Fair Produce section so I've got a relationship yep. started and then th- yep. then I find out about you and I I say that I want you I want you to know about that you know that I'm growing you know, mouse melons and, and Hey, this summer I could be sending you five pounds a week. Like, I want to put that in context. Are you like, Oh, thank you. But that is not like, what is a small amount of a niche okay. special thing that okay. either I would be selling to commissary or you would be saying, Oh yeah, the bistro in Kelowna will take it deal with them. Just, just put it in uh, context for listeners.
1: Okay. So I think from a, from a quant- quantity standpoint, you know, uh, our commissary kitchen, we look at significant amounts of quantity. So if I'm to put that into a term, you know, um, and I'll just put COVID aside because, you know, let's look at this under norm, normal circumstances. Um, maybe, you know, maybe I buy on a week 2,000 pounds of carrots. Okay. Or maybe I, or maybe I buy, you know, 500 bunches of celery um whereas you know some of our smaller usage things would be like you know i'm buying three cases of green onion which is our only 24 bunches per case right okay
0: that's perfect nick that's perfect just to give a sense so if if someone were considering dealing with the commissary um we're we're not talking like the tiny tiny but but in but that's a really that's a great example of the kind of scale that you'd be you'd be considering um yeah exactly all right so at this point i just want to provide a summary to you, um, hopefully for the benefit of the listener and just get you to confirm if, if a, if a farmer, an organic farmer in British Columbia wants to deal with nature's fair, there's a number of opportunities. They could approach their nearest nature's fair and go and talk straight to the produce manager. And, and that's for the person who might only have, you know, this, this, this would apply to me in the past 50 pounds of beets a week. And, and there's, there's opportunities to just directly supply the store that way. Um, there, maybe you can confirm if if, an, if a similar opportunity exists to supply an individual bistro or not so much. Do the bistros only really either purchase produce from the produce section in store or receive yeah, from the commissary? So,
1: so our produce departments in store, um, how they operate is, I mean, of course, they get a ton of finished product from our commissary kitchen. So these are recipes that have already made to go products, etc. Um, we do use some produce in our day-to-day operations of the bistro um, in which cases they would either um, purchase them through the purchase uh, the produce department or they would actually um, purchase them with the produce department so you know during our summer times when we know we're using a lot of uh, leaf lettuce let's say for instance you know, if the the produce uh, manager is, is, you know, he knows he can get tons of this great quality leaf lettuce, well, then he'll just coordinate with his bistro manager and order in the product for them. Um, and this is also very store dependent. I mean, not all nature fairs are built the same with the same customer base. So, you know, our Kelowna stores, our flagship store, it's extremely busy. Um, those bistro teams, they can they can purchase on their own and not have to worry about product going uh, poor quality um, while it's in the cooler. Whereas maybe one of our other stores who just doesn't have the same sales volume. um, Well, if they buy a case of leaf lettuce, they might only use half of it. So, that would be a case where it would be sort of, hey, Mister Produce Manager, I need a case of leaf lettuce. Can we split one? You take half,
0: I take half. Take right. Thing. Okay, so that's that's great though. Thank you for that. So so that's kind of represents opportunities for like the, the you know a small scale producer. Yep. And then just to continue with my summary, large scale there are opportunities to supply the grocery division. Or the commissary division. And that, in, in, in terms of, and in, in, in that case, you're, you know, we're talking about a farm that is capable of producing at least a few cases a week, up to thousands of pounds a week. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know, as I said, our, our commissary is a fairly large operation, you know, sells tons and tons of food, literally and figuratively. <laughs> um, but, and the produce departments in store are, are, are the same, of course. Um, one other sort of um, opportunity we do try and take advantage of when we can, and this is, and I'll use the the local fruit sector as an example. Um, you know, we deal with uh, Sprouls Farm in Lake Country. Um, they deal, they we have a great, long standing relationship with them, um, and they hook us up with lots of stone fruit and such through the summer. So. You know, when we know that the peach crop is good, well, you know, as opposed to them actually approaching our stores, we arrange it through a head office. So, you know, during parts of this summer and summers have passed, you know, Sproul's would actually come here to my operation and they might drop off 60 cases of fruit. And then we actually distributed ourselves here. So, you know, 10 cases to Kelowna, four cases to Langley, so that we can also take advantage of some of that bigger crops and the buying power of course because obviously we can buy more products.
0: Wonderful. Um I've got so many follow-up questions but I need to cover some of the basics still a little more. We've been yep, talking you and I've so. been talking a lot making reference to veggies and fruit. Could you at least briefly comment on um on how your your meat and dairy procurement works if it's very different? Are you still largely working with provincial provincially based um, producers or does it change when you get into meat and and dairy
1: well the there's some different challenges with that um dealing with farm direct on on poultry there can be some you know challenges from quantities to cuts to delivery a lot of small farms don't have uh uh uh, refrigerated freight vehicles um, so a lot of those processes are still done through sort of um, larger suppliers so you know I, I look at the commissary as an example um, we buy a lot of our protein through um, a company in the lower mainland called Two Rivers Meats um, they're very closely connected to, to uh, um, lots of different farms of various sizes in the province um, but it's more, and I hate to use this term, especially in, this, in the context of this conversation. But you know, some of that one-stop shopping uh, is a part of that. So, you know, we use lots of boneless, skinless chicken breasts. We use lots of uh, you know, boneless, skin-on thighs. So it just gives us more opportunity to. to to cater that to our business instead of us catering it to someone else's business, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, it makes sense. And it's, it's helpful to hear this just so that, that, that those producing meat understand and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they do already. I'm sure there's no one's surprised to hear you, to, to hear you yeah. say this. We, we've
1: we tried over the years to try and get a better working relationship, even with, you know, one uh, sort of quote unquote, smaller poultry farm. But it's, it's, um, it's, it's a challenge because partially because of our volumes, I mean, you know, I bring hundreds of kilos of poultry into my operation a week, and that that's a big number for some some uh, growers.
0: Oh, absolutely! And but but I'll I'll dwell on this for one moment more. What about just like I can go to the produce manager at Nature's Fair and sell fifty pounds of beets in a week? Are there opportunities for the smaller meat producers um, well, to one work on one on one, on one on. with a store?
1: Uh, not so much one on one. Most of our um, uh, our poultry is actually most of our purchasing is actually done through our head office. So we have okay. a purchasing department, um, and I don't know how many meat or poultry suppliers would reach out directly to our stores. To be perfectly mm-hmm. honest.
0: Okay. Well, that's it's helpful to know. And then, do you have anything to add about dairy, or does it kind of uh, fall into the same? Uh, I
1: would say dairy falls into the same um space we deal with a couple direct but it's just a lot easier to deal with brokers or distributors because right. they'll have hundreds of SKUs as opposed to you know a couple as 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 important it is to support local you know at the end of the day we're still a business and my purchaser she has to call 50 people to get cheeses as opposed to 3 that mm-hmm. you know that's time and 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 the labor dollars quite frankly right. i mean we're still trying to to make run a profitable business so so it's sort of both sides of the coin
0: yeah i mean it's again i don't think it'll be surprising it really is a different different set of challenges and a different ball game in on that side of production um okay so i i, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um let's start with the newbie the newbie and and probably smaller scale farmer who's probably considering getting into like considering selling wholesale into like a retail environment yeah. for the first time do you do, do, do is it do, do you happen to know if it's a shock for for new suppliers that are small scale in terms of the the different pricing that they have to be considering um compared to say the farmer's market
1: um yeah we work with them a little bit on, on that so you know when when and this happens you know every year because produce as you know is a is a volatile market um you know they the farmers that i deal with and and a lot of them are in that small scale like so you know less than 10 acres let's say or five acres um we work with them on their pricing structure if they you know uh c- c- come at us and they say you know we have this beautiful fennel that we've grown we want to get price xyz on it <clears throat> you know, we look at to our wholesalers, we look to, you know, there's some great resources on the internet to see what sort of the market is dictating that pricing at. And if, if they're falling within that, then we're great. Um, um, but if they're, you know, way out to lunch, we, we we might let them know that their, their price is high. Um, now that being said, and I, and this has always been um, a personal thing of mine. And, and what I've instructed my teams here at the kitchen is that, you know if if we have a a local guy from the North Okanagan who comes to us and he and I'll use fennel as an example again and he wants to sell us you know fennel at two twenty five a kilo and then we do our due diligence and we see you know we can get it elsewhere from a dollar ninety to two o five that won't be a case where I go back to that vendor and say you need to do better on the price because I've always been of the mindset that you know we're supporting a local farm we're supporting them in their business whereas that other company who might be 30, 20 cents cheaper well how are they supporting my business you know that's paying a distributor a, a truck driver someone down in the states farmers so on and so forth so i've always been a little bit okay with with the additional cost but we definitely work with farmers on it
0: right so there's there's wiggle room within reason is what it's um exactly yeah w- what about differences do you happen to know are there major differences in the pricing um farmers get when they deal with commissary bistro versus grocer within the same no. within fair?
1: no not at all oh, i okay. mean i i think that we're, we're we pay the same prices um that our, our store and b- our, our produce operations would pay for sure um the only difference is we're processing product to add more of a value to it.
0: Uh, great. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's helpful to know. Thank you, Nick. One thing that is, uh, is, will, will, will not be surprising to to a lot of listeners is that um, one new change in the supply chain is that um, more and more retail um, companies are uh, expecting farms to be gap certified. That's good agricultural practices. I'm wondering how what this what the status is with Nature's Fair and and how sure. the how Gap has has impacted or affected <clears throat> some of your uh, so the relationships between Nature's Fair and and farms that are supplying the company basically directly. So we're not talking about the brokers. Yep, we're talking about direct relationships. Yep.
1: So uh, when this Gap program was uh, released, I don't know, what was that 18 months ago, two years ago? 18 months ago, probably. Um, we had a lot of trepidation about it. We had a lot of worry about it um, because we have built our produce business on the back of farmers, um, small, local, organic farmers in every single one of our markets. Um, whether you are in Penticton or Kamloops or Langley, wherever there's a nature's fair, we have created those relationships and they're extremely important to us. So when GAP came out, there was definitely some trepidation about how we were going to handle this because, um, as you may or may not know, Jordan, it can be a, a bit of a, a bureaucratic process to get that GAP certification. Um, so there were, it was sort of a twofold thing for us. The first one was we <clears throat> reached out to our parent company. Um, you know, we're owned by a billion-dollar company, um, so we wanted to see sort of what their take on it was. And then, of course, we also wanted to reach out to our farmers um, and see how they felt about GAP and and how it would affect their business. Um, Sort of what we ended up um, coming towards is um, if we were to stop doing business with any farms that weren't GAP certified, it would entail us losing millions of dollars worth of revenue, and it would, more importantly would isolate our, our, our customers our customers come to us because they want organic produce they want you know high fennel from grinrod or they want doug's zucchinis from the north okanagan so hugely detrimental to our business um so as we <clears throat> started those downward dialogues with our our farmers we've sort of come to a we've sort of created a plan with them um and we are we were very diligently working on that plan with them leading up to March when this um, pandemic started. Um, but our stance was not to, to only do business with, with um, GAP certified at farms. That was never, never part of our, our, our program.
0: So, so I, I happen to know just because I've done business with nature's fair that essentially um, nature's fair has attempted to build their own version of GAP so that they, that yeah. they, they, Attempt to derive yes. some of the food safety standards of GAP while att- simultaneously attempting to make it a little more accessible and less expensive for some exactly. of the farms to participate. Exactly. So, as of my last kind of interaction with Nature's Fair, that was that was a new requirement. Is that like they would need to see evidence starting this year that 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 their own internal program was being followed? So, am I correct? That is that is the case. Yes, that,
1: that, that's one hundred percent correct. Like I said, Jordan, we didn't um didn't think that if we went to the full cap standard and needed the certification, this was not going to add any value to our business and it was not going to add any value to our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact we felt the opposite because we knew we would lose some of our longtime vendors who have worked with us for, you know, decade plus. Um, and that's not fair <clears throat> to it's not fair to them, um quite frankly. So that that's exactly what we were working towards. Um, internally is just putting together our own program where, you know, we do a, a visit um, to your to your farm and we have our own sort of internal checklist that we make sure, you know, sanitation is being followed. You know, if there is chemicals on site, how are they being stored? You know, all those various things that the the the, the gap initiated as well, but we were doing it on our own. Well, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and I think I think uh, that may be. Good news to some to some growers that I know are being shut out at other companies that just only require will only take gap. Um, I've looked at it. I've looked at it myself. I can see that it's a separate program that is definitely a little more accessible. And as I heard one employee put it from Nature's Fair. Like most of the requirements are, are very much aligned with organic certification requirements already. So I, I want to move on, but just to be clear, if someone hears this interview and really wants to try and work with commissary, they, they can expect that one of the first questions will be Have you looked at our internal Nature's Fair Gap program and, and have you started to move, you know, to, to make sure you're in compliance? That's, that's a correct I don't statement. know if it would be the
1: first part of the di- dialogue, but it would be part of the initial dialogue.
0: For okay, sure. terrific. Yeah. Nick, I finally, toward the end of this interview, get to ask you about kind of on the most fun topic. And, and one of the reasons I asked you to, to talk to me, which is just from your vantage point, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about some, any changes you're observing on the consumer side in the marketplace, you know, like, and that, that could go in different directions, but just preferences for vegetables coming up. This could perhaps, um, stuff like, stuff you would love to see more of from your suppliers because it's in higher demand now, like any trends or changes that you could speak to right now?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think produce is one of those things that it's always changing. I think, you know, weekly, monthly, daily, even, um, you're, you're seeing different trends. Um, you know, I think some of the things that I have seen, you know, over the last probably year or so is, um, uh, the you know those unique go to things um, that people aren't familiar with you know people love seeing unique unique produce items I mean how often do you go to a, a, a farmer's market and farmer A has got a black tomato and I just use that as an example I always grow black tomatoes myself because I just think they're super cool to look like it so you know unique products is is, is a huge one as far as um, the trending goes and uh, another big one for me is and and we're great about this in the commissary whereas I think every retail business can do a little bit better is ugly produce. (laughs) Ugly produce shouldn't be a thing it should just be produce just because it's ugly doesn't mean it's not sellable. Um, There's always a market for for things that aren't perfect right so I think you know for, for agriculture, for farm, for growers to to push that uh, on 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 their customers that you know just because that long English cucumber isn't long and it might have a curve to it that doesn't mean it's not a, a great product so I, I think that's another thing that we've started to see some steam on um, but I'd like to continue to see um, you know uh, that encouraged.
0: Okay. So, so you're, you're open to, you're open at the commissary level oh. to, to purchasing, you know, to, to really be looking at the unique varieties and unique, oh, for sure. uh, so unique cultivars, unique, um, items, as well as you, you don't. You don't get scared off by ugly produce. That's good. No, to know. and I think
1: some some businesses do, and I just think it's a wrong thing. It's a it's a it's a pivot in the wrong direction.
0: I would imagine what's important is good communication, though, right? Like it, you want to oh, know what you're getting. You want to you can deal with the ugly cucumbers, but you you don't want to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. Um, okay, well, uh, I want I, 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 one follow up question is what about just in, a little more generally in in your role? What would you love? what would you love to see have more access to you know and we can talk about major the major items but like in terms of producers working directly with nature's fair and and supplying you know larger quantities we're mainly going to be talking about fruit and vegetables here can you can do are there any standouts like oh i would love to see more provincially grown x or y and i would love to buy it
1: well you know i'll use this one as an example um And I don't know how good of an example it is, but um, this time of year, you know, late September through early October, um, we have a super hard time finding appropriate apples for our juicing program. So we juice significant amounts of product here because we have a a branded juice bottle that we sell in our store. Um, Well, you know, I think think most of the holes are probably just on things that – aren't good in our in our environment here. You know, one of the things that we always talk about in the spring is asparagus. I, I, I'm i from Ontario. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of asparagus in Eastern Ontario and, and Western Quebec. Uh, <laughs> whereas it's not a huge crop out here in, in British Columbia. Um, you know, I look at corn as the same way, huge thing where I grew up and we get a little bit of it out here, but not to the same thing. So I think, do I think our, our our local agriculture and our farms here in the province are doing exceptional at filling that gap? I would say I do. Do things are exceptional
0: at filling that gap. But they shouldn't. Sounds like they shouldn't be shy to get in touch if they just if they've got four acres that you know that they they want to do something with. And you know these serious farmers know their stuff, and and uh, they could reach out to you to talk. And they might hear you say, "Look, if you grew a few acres of asparagus, this is how much I'd likely take." you know, a week during the spring, and then they can, they can plan that with wherever else they're going to send it. Like that kind of conversation can happen. I would imagine. Oh,
1: for sure. And it it should happen, especially with a retailer like myself.
0: Terrific. Okay. So we're, we're winding it down here, but I just want to know, um, you know, you, you deal with suppliers. I, I wonder if you could share some advice for either, you know, best practices for that relationship or do's and don'ts, this must come up, you know, um, you know what's what 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 can what can a supplier be thinking about to maintain a, a good healthy relationship with you
1: well you know you, you mentioned one thing earlier is communication um you know uh being in touch on a regular basis i think um um involving your your the businesses you want to work with um in your planning processes i mean you know how how can a how can a, a a grower and a farmer not build their business if they're not working close closely with their with their customers to see where the opportunity is? So I know that's been a big one for us is just involving them in our planning process so that we plan together and not plan as individuals. And and taking that one step further is is when we do that planning, we have five or six farmers at the table. So not only does it become uh, a thing about planning with us, but it also becomes a thing about planning with them. Um, you know, um, again in the North Okanagan, we deal with a lot of people in the Grinrod area, that North Okanagan. So they all know each other. So when we sit down, you know, and Doug gr- grew a lot of beets, but he didn't grow enough. Well, then there's an opportunity there for someone else. So so having the, that those really good communication dialogues with 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 your your with your your customers is, is to me, one of the most important things that probably happened a lot in agriculture, I would say per persistence, you know, <laughs> um, being, um, you know, just persistent in, 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 in dealing with, with, um, people. I mean, farming is one of those things that it's so hit and miss year to year. Um, uh, so you know, involving your customers again in those dialogues that you're having that are challenges for you. Like, um, you know, if if the growing season working out and you're gonna not have the product that you thought you were, you know, make sure we're looped into that so that we can plan for that.
0: Um, I was I was <clears> gonna I was gonna say because I, uh, I think this applies to the the farmer restaurant relationship too. I think I think uh, everyone needs to be really working really hard to reduce surprises. Uh, and that, course, that, that and ties into that communication huge, piece. Huge yeah. One. yeah. Get, tell, tell, tell your buyer as soon as you know something that yeah, there exactly. might, there might be a problem with that sale that's coming up.
1: Uh, yeah, no, no, sorry, no, go for ahead. sure for the, the communication, I think it all comes back to that from a, from a, a production and supplier standpoint, it's just, you know, keep keeping us all in, in, um, um, keeping us all
0: in the loop, I guess is the, the easiest way to say it. Right. Um, okay. Well, Nick, uh, Nick, uh, one last question. How, you know, we've, we've just had this wonderful hour of conversation. How can, how can someone, uh, what's the best way to approach the commissary side to, to inquire about, uh, supplying you folks?
1: They can just give our head office a call and ask for Nick and um, it'll get to my voice, voicemail or my phone. And, uh, we're, we're always happy to, to, to work with, um, people who, People who have products were not already overwhelmed. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we have some farmers that we've been dealing with for a lot of years, and um, they try and fill, fill the gap gaps for us. But there's always um, there's always opportunity for for us to, to work with other farms if they're growing some of those <clears throat> things that we might not have access to as currently or have to bring to California because people aren't doing them up here. Um, but yeah, there's, there's always opportunity here.
0: Nick Johnston, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast to share your perspectives.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, that's it for now. Special thanks for our podcast music goes out to Matt Eckle, a jazz flutist and father of organic rancher Avin Banwell. You can search for Matt's music online. Eckle is spelled E-A-K-L-E. I also want to thank all of the guest interviewers you'll be hearing in this series as we re-release it over the next few months. Gavin Wright, Molly Thurston, Abra Bryn, Tristan Banwell, and Emma Holmes, thanks to all of you for your contributions to the show. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed what you just heard. I'm Jordan Marr, and I will talk to you soon.